parents and gender fluid friends. It's time again for Healthcare is Hilarious. Yes, it's me, Casey Quinlan, Mighty Casey on the interwebs, with another snark-filled hot take on healthcare. Let's make fun of the ridiculous, give credit to the awesome, always working to make you laugh and think at the same time. Whoa. This week, I've got my conversation with e-patient Dave DeBroncart. Dave became e-patient Dave back in 2007 when he got a really big surprise. A diagnosis of terminal kidney cancer. <laughs> Definitely not the kind of surprise anyone wants. Spoiler alert, it wasn't terminal, but it was certainly stage four, grade four, death sentence style cancer. It wasn't terminal because his doctor told him to check out a patient community forum for kidney cancer. Dave did, and the rest is literally history. The patient forum tipped him off to a treatment option that saved his life. So he's in the bonus round for almost 12 years now. For which I am grateful, since he and I have only been buddies for the last 10 years. Dave's known as the Gimme My Damn Data Guy. There's even a hashtag for that, hashtag GMDD, that you can follow on Twitter. I asked him to join me for a discussion of data access, the current Facebook data slurping and treachery shitstorm that's starting to make headlines, like Facebook needed more negative press, since between Cambridge Analytica, Russian troll farms, and Rohingya massacres in Myanmar, it's not like they're not in full-on crisis communications mode 24-7, 365 at this point. And what opportunities there might be for the internet to fulfill its creator's vision of a global community builder versus a path to community destruction. As always, there are links in the show notes, and this week it's a link of palooza since we covered a lot of territory. Here's our conversation. I started out as just a cancer survivor who discovered there was garbage in his medical record and started getting asked to give speeches. And I bounced around giving speeches and listening to what people said in response. And at first, because healthcare had saved my life when I was nearly dead, I assumed that everything in the system was well-designed and working as intended. But then I started discovering there was a whole lot of WTF going on. And the the big question to me was, how can it be that there's so much smart stuff that the ultimate sign of the success of the system is we got so many old people who are living to be 60, 70, 80, and 90 years old. And yet we have so many horrible, cruel, overpriced, and sometimes dumb things that happen that cause the system to fall short where it didn't have to. So I've been asking why So now I'm largely focused on what are the deep cultural blocks to healthcare improving itself. And lately, especially the f***ery that Facebook has been perpetrating, and I'm right in the middle of this book, Zucked. It's fabulous. It's helping me understand what has been happening over the last 10 years and what is likely to continue happening unless we change it, really change the rules so that the people with the problem have some control over how the system works. And particularly the information sharing piece and that peer piece, which for people who have not, and I will link to all all of the things about ePatient Dave, including give me my damn data because you are the give me my damn data original dude. That all said, because it was finding a peer community 
that helped you participate in saving your own life when you had right. stage four, grade four renal cell cancer. How do you see this current revelation, slow terrain wreck, oh dear God, that we're watching that has been this Facebook data slurping problem, how do you see that screwing up the opportunity for people to have your same experience, i.e. finding the things that could right. save your life or your child's life or whatever? How do you see that impacting and influencing both you and the rest of us? The deep underlying issue that I've come up with, it's all tentative and hypothesized and I don't have a billion dollars of NIH grants to prove things, uh, but it's really, really at the core of what makes healthcare work out to its best potential is if the best available information is at the point of care, right? Because obviously, if the best available information isn't at the point of care, neither patients nor clinicians can achieve the best possible. An essential thing, and so we get into the questions of who has, who can have, who might have, who might block the best available information. The anti-vaxxer outcome that we have now with uh, measles outbreaks in a number of places, not just the U.S., but the U.S. is in the headlines currently. And then some of the undergirding of Facebook allowing a lot of anti-vaxxer groups to basically advertise to women who are possibly being pregnant or looking at becoming pregnant, i.e. they're going to have kids, and trying to influence their thinking around vaccines and how that impacts the rest of humanity. There was just a tweet within the last hour that Facebook disclosed that they actually offer advertisers a 900,000 member list of people who are interested in vaccine controversies so that people can target ads there. I'm in the middle of the book, Zucked, which talks about how just a lot of just juicy details about how Facebook has, with their philosophy of move fast and break things, which is a good old Silicon Valley thing. Well, they just tried all kinds of things. There's almost no coordination of anything and zero people checking on whether anything hazardous is happening as a result. Now, I'm all in favor of innovation. I'm in favor of people getting rich for having a great idea. You can't argue with the fact, at least in one sense, you can't argue with the fact that Facebook made, I think it was $40 billion of revenue in 2017 because they are so successful at being interesting to people. But what would you think about applying that philosophy to driverless cars? Move fast and break things. That it turns out, you know, some of the side effects of Facebook's methods, like generating lists of people with various traits and offering them to advertisers, is that all kinds of bad things have happened yeah. incidentally. And Facebook is just genetically allergic to questioning whether their their own garbage is brilliant. So if they become a well-fertilized, and I use the term advisedly, a well-fertilized garden for toxic stuff to grow and they don't want to talk about it, right? So, and yet the real problem is, so since the first thing started to come out about Facebook being maybe not such a good place for patient groups to gather, a lot of people have come back and said, well, 
but I need that group. I'm in trouble now. I can't just walk away. And this is exactly where you have things like the German government last week saying that Facebook actually has a lock, a monopoly lock, and therefore patients cannot be said to have voluntarily agreed to the fine print in Facebook's agreements. Yeah, the terms of service, because no one reads the terms of service. And that's, you know, that's common enough that it's a meme and everybody repeats it. And comedians from A to Z have been talking about it forever. So no one reads the terms of service and they bury all of the schmutz in there and then say, well, we told you. And the answer is no, you didn't. Well, and on top of that, I think it was just this week, maybe last week, where uh, the British government, is busting them for knowingly violating your privacy settings. So here they are all sanctimonious, you know, you agreed to it. And no, no, the the reality is their philosophy, and it comes up over and over again in, in Zucked, is move fast and if somebody blows a whistle, we'll say, oops, sorry, and maybe change things, maybe not. Uh, but with no responsibility for harm. I don't know which of the, I think it's an African country where it turns out that some of the the marketing tools that we have complained about Facebook misusing to scrape the names of patients from patient communities, this repressive government used those same tools to scrape the names of a supposedly private Facebook opposition group and go kill them. Well, I can imagine being a gay person, uh, particularly a gay man who was HIV positive in Uganda, attempting to get some sort of community input peer support going in an HIV patient community on Facebook that say that community is, you know, home ported, the mods are in Germany, let's say. But because that person is in Uganda, but being gay in Uganda is illegal. And not only illegal, it can get you killed. By the government, not just because your neighbors are a bunch of homophobes. So there's that. And it's just the the risks. And and, all you have to do is ask Rohingya in Myanmar whether or not Facebook might be responsible for some bad stuff. So, you know. So what's one big thing that you wish was sort of more of a public conversation or more well-known about the privacy issues on social media in general, but particularly on Facebook? People really, no kidding, need to know that that company in particular, and the book says that Google does some similar things, but I mean, nobody's addicted to private conversations on Google the way they are. Yeah, look at what happened to Google+. Plus. That, that's not a thing. Well, right. And the people need to understand that that company in particular is aggressively selling data, breaking rules, just doing whatever it takes to add to their $40 billion in revenue. And if it's the only place you've got to get what you need, then you just need to know that you're in dangerous territory. Uh, and I really hope that some people who really care about doing healthcare right, actually helping people who are in trouble rather than using it as an opportunity to basically steal their groceries I hope that those people will start working at how can we develop really good, effective communities that aren't predatory. Yeah, and that aren't subject to the whims of a commercial player, be it Facebook or whomever, but some commercial interest 
who, okay, well, we'll give you this free place to talk to each other, but we're going to mine all your data and then sell it on. We're gonna, we, we won't identify you. <laughs> we promise. <laughs> so I, I don't trust anybody who says that, well, the data is de-identified. I don't believe don't you. Know, I don't think that don't, that's possible. Yeah, people who say that don't know what they're talking about, or they do know the reality and are kidding themselves because they really would like it if that were true. Something people need to realize on the de-identified issue, number one, it is, all you have to do is Google re-identifying data, you'll find stories. But the other thing is that for most of the people who are doing that, they don't need perfectly certain re-identification. The people who are in that game are talking about cheating on the odds for large populations. We've seen coverage recently of how some people are downloading your friends list and based on their habits, they are guessing that you're likely to be trouble. So even if your your behavior is perfect, spotless, snow white, they can be covertly rating you as a bigger risk based on the behavior of your friends or even suspicion of their behavior. This is never out in the open. You never get told your premiums went up because six of your friends are cigarette smokers, right? And that is just plain cheating. The thing that you and I pursue, we end up talking about violations of the trust that should be implicit in, in medicine. What we really seek is for the people in trouble to have the best shot at achieving whatever cure is available. And that's where the new proposed regulations and anything that's going on or has been going on, we really, really need to get at whatever information exists about us without some fool blocking it for their own private reasons. Or slurping it up and not letting us know that that data is being used in some way to either judge or codify or whatever, something about us. It's both sides. I mean, for somebody to come secretly sneak a peek and take a copy, that's one kind of skullduggery. But then even separate from that, whatever good we might be able to do for our health, our kids' health, our parents' health, if that's blocked, that's a problem also, which I think is immoral. And when you have the combination of somebody else taking the data and not giving it to us, then we really are being shut in a barn and treated like livestock. Moo! Exactly. Since social media has become the 21st century telephone, telegraph, pick one, do you think that it's making humanity smarter or is it going to blow us all up? What do you think? Could do both at the same time. Could make us smarter and blow us up. You know, you could get on a jet plane and go faster and farther than ever before. And meanwhile, it could explode in midair. I'm just avidly, rabidly in favor of innovation and new, better ways to do things, but I am avidly, rabidly opposed to the, pace, the Facebook motto of move fast and break things. We also heard, so now we know beyond any doubt that Facebook was used as a platform for hate groups and hosting destructive, violent conversations. And the news came out in January that the way Facebook has been trying to solve this, they have people who work in call centers 
who are manually reviewing things, but their instructions have been created by this move fast and break things method, which I hadn't heard of at the time, just a whole bunch of uncoordinated people in different parts of Facebook sending out PowerPoints with inconsistent rules for the different call centers to use and nobody coordinating whether what they were doing was being done right because there is no definition of right. It's just try a bunch of stuff. Because data is the 21st century oil boom or gold rush, depending on how you want to look at it, what do you see as being left off the table with everybody who's in the data brokering and data grabbing business, focusing so much on advertising and monetization for commercial purposes? How do you see that negating other opportunities, particularly in our gimme my data thing? So in my case, according to my oncologist, one thing that helped save my life when I was desperately sick was that I got really high quality advice from a patient community. Now, if people are going to be deterred from doing that, right, because of the fear, right, that the perhaps the most private or sensitive information that might be needed in order to get me the information I need might be stolen, misused, used against me, and so on, it's going to cause people to clam up. What we will have done is sacrifice the best possible health care because of the indefensible abuse of that data in the pursuit of profits. Because people honestly are too freaking lazy to go earn an honest living and are happy to just take whatever they can get by abuse instead. Yeah, the cheaters, the cheaters way. It's like, you know, if you can if you can get it without having to do any actual work, why not, right? How do you see the web getting shifted back to perhaps what might, well, what we know was Tim Berners-Lee's original intention when he came up with the WWW construct at CERN uh, back in whenever that was in the 80s? How can we drive more alignment with civil and human rights versus corporate power and profits on the web as a new paradigm? One of the things and this is not an an easy concept for the general public, but on the other hand, it's not all that difficult. There's an assumption that's been in our government since the 1980s, since the Reagan administration, as we have moved to what is known as the neoliberal view. The neoliberal view is that government regulation is not the answer to anything, and that the best thing is to let companies fight it out We need to shift away from that because when companies fight it out, commonly, stock value may go up, but people get trampled in the process. I mean, people literally get trampled. We need to switch back to having a higher priority in our regulations, in our laws, a higher priority on human life as the highest priority, all the way back to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I know, life was the first one. Liberty and pursuit of happiness came after life. So I'm thinking that's right there. Healthcare is a human right, but that could just be me. Well, and the point that Zuck makes about that, because remember, this, this guy is a big time Silicon Valley investor. He's not against massive profits. The point that McNamee makes in Zuck is that 
the whole idea of things working out fine in the marketplace with, if there's no regulation favors the people who are already on top of the mountain. It makes it easier for them to create a monopoly where competitors can't come in. I was amazed to learn that the number of new companies formed per year peaked in the late 1970s and throughout the entire Silicon Valley venture capital period, there's been a steady decline. Sure, we have a lot more startups in Silicon Valley, but we have fewer competitors because the more powerful anyone like Facebook becomes, the harder it is for anybody to get into the game. And what really bothers me, I worked in high tech for most of my career, what really bothers me is that that stifles innovation. It takes away the whole American ideal of if I build a better mousetrap, I can get rich from it because somebody else might come along and say, screw your mousetrap, bam, stomp on you, and you get dumped in the garbage. And that's just un-American as far as I'm concerned. Un-American indeed. I agree with Dave on that. I have zero problem with somebody having a world-beating idea, turning that world-beating idea into a massive revenue machine, and getting rich AF from it. But, and however, if that world-beating idea turns out to be a way to get the world to beat up its inhabitants, which is what Facebook really seems to be doing at this point, it might be time to whistle up some citizen pushback in the form of regulation to stem the bleeding. Since, after all, Facebook is responsible for actual bleeding and actual death. Just ask the Rohingya and maybe gay folks in Africa who participate in Facebook closed groups related to health issues. If you can find any. If they haven't already been executed by their governments. <coughs> That's it for this week. I'll be back next week with more semi-scientific snark. Meanwhile, America, it's a wonderful country. Just don't get sick. Healthcare is Hilarious is sponsored by Danny Van Leeuwen, also known as Health Hats. With his diverse and prolific health experience, Danny uses his multiple hats to empower people as they travel toward their best health. To join Danny on that best health journey, follow along in his blog. 